Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, the last part of that chapter, where Paul talks about how we live by the Spirit rather than by the flesh. All of these virtues we're going to be talking about during these Sunday nights are fruit of the Spirit. And so you'll notice in verse 22 and 23, some of those fruit of the Spirit are listed. But we'll begin with verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The Word of the Lord. Have you ever seen someone who was really physically fit and you wondered, how did they get like that? Getting into shape and staying in shape doesn't happen by accident. It takes a lot of effort and discipline, usually. And it's the same way in our spiritual life. Nobody just drifts into a closer walk with the Lord. It takes a lot of effort and discipline, usually. This is true also when it comes to exercising self-control. Proverbs 25 says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So it's an image the Proverbs give us there. Walls to an ancient city were essential for the protection of the people who lived inside. I have a picture here of the ancient walls of Jerusalem. You see how big they are, how intimidating and imposing they are, how difficult it would be to get inside there if you didn't have an airplane or something that could push through. Back in those days, walls were impenetrable. If you had a city with broken down walls, everybody inside would be at risk. At risk of being robbed, at risk of being killed, the whole city could be plundered and destroyed. Walls are essential. A city wall, according to this verse, is like self-control. Without self-control... All sorts of excessive indulgences can ruin a person's life. But self-control isn't just about controlling what we eat. 
like we said this morning, that's just one aspect of self-control. There are other things like the things mentioned in this passage, sexual immorality, anger, greed, envy, dissension, all sorts of things. So this virtue of self-control is essential to protect us. So as we talk about self-control tonight, let me encourage you to individualize it. Listen for how self-control is most effective and most important for you in your life, depending on what the gluttonous behavior you are tempted to do. All of us are different. So when it comes to self-control, learning how to control our desires, it helps to be able to focus on the big picture of things. All too often, we're focused on what's right in front of us, the decision right in front of us, or the battle that is that we're in at that moment. Should I eat another cookie? Should I take another look at that attractive person? Should I dream about having something newer, nicer, and bigger? Should I get angry and lose my temper? Because what happened makes me really mad. That's the situation you're in. It's right in front of you. You're in it. But it helps if you want to exercise self-control to see what's going on a little bit bigger. Keep our long-term goals in mind. So if we're tempted by a cookie, our long-term goal is to perhaps have a healthier, trimmer figure, say. Well, that'll help us with controlling what we eat. If we're tempted to lust, we set our sights on saying, I want to have a holy and pure mind. That's my goal. If we're tempted to want something newer, bigger, nicer, we remind ourselves, you know, those things don't bring happiness. So, I don't know if I need anything newer, bigger, nicer. And if we're tempted to lose our temper, we keep in mind that we want a healthy relationship with the people we love. It's usually people we love that we get angry with. And we don't want to damage those relationships. So rather than looking for instant gratification for something, we keep our long-term goals in mind. What kind of a person do I really want to be long-term? What is really important to me over the long haul? If you keep those things in mind, then it helps in those momentary battles. We say, no, I don't need another cookie. I want to have a trim and healthy body. No, I'm not going to give in to lust. I want to have a holy and pure mind. I want to be more like Christ in how I think about people. No, I'm not going to buy that thing. All the satisfaction and joy of life isn't found in newer, nicer things. It's found in Jesus. I know that. Or I'm not going to give in to anger. I love that person. Sure, I'm upset right now, but I'm not going to damage or hurt that person on purpose. So keeping those long-term goals in mind can help us to give us some perspective when we're facing that immediate situation. It not only helps us to fight the battle, but perhaps ultimately to win the war. A second step to helping us control unhealthy desires is in verse 24. Why don't we read this together? 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So we need to crucify our old desires. All of us have a sinful nature. All of us have parts of our lives that are prone to sin. But rather than feeding those unhealthy desires, we want to crucify them, this text says. Crucify, that's a pretty strong word. That means you take that unhealthy desire, you nail it to a cross, and you let it hang there until it's dead. Wow. That's pretty graphic. And it's not something you just do once. If only it were, it'd be a whole lot easier. But sometimes it's daily. Sometimes it's multiple times through the day. We have to crucify that desire. We don't want to feed that excessive desire or it grows. We want to starve it to death. And that's why some find fasting, like we talked about this morning, to be a helpful discipline. Fasting reminds us our greatest need is to stay connected to Christ. So we give up something temporary, something enjoyable, something even necessary like food, so we can focus more of our thoughts and attention on what is more important, our relationship with the Lord. Our goal is to know and love and serve Him. That's where our true meaning and satisfaction are going to be found. So Jesus puts it this way in Mark 8, verse 34, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Denying ourselves, denying our fleshly desires and crucifying them is not an easy thing to do. But if we really want to control those unhealthy desires, it's going to require some discipline. It requires discipline. People who are in good shape physically often have a rigorous training regimen. They are very careful about what they eat and don't eat, and they are very disciplined about regular exercise, usually daily, but at least, say, three times a week. These are activities that aren't just optional. They're not just fluffy things. If they have time for, they'll include them. They are at the top of their list. They're things they do. They're devoted to these things. That's how they stay in shape. I wish that I was that physically disciplined. I admire people who are. I used to exercise regularly until... My knee started giving me pain when I would jog, and I thought, well, I'd better just do it on a treadmill. And then it started paining me on a treadmill, and I thought, you know what? That's an easy excuse. Maybe I don't need to exercise. I can walk. Sue and I like to go on walks, so we do that. But I admire people who work really hard at staying in shape. The discipline it takes to do that is amazing. Our culture puts a really high value on how we look on the outside, doesn't it? All over the place. God is more interested in who we are on the inside. So we have an example of this in 1 Samuel 16. God sends the prophet Samuel to anoint a new king. It's going to be one of Jesse's sons. 
Jesse has a bunch of sons. They're all tall, strong, handsome, king-like people. Samuel just is impressed as he sees them. David isn't even among them. He's the youngest watching the sheep. And so God says this to Samuel. Why don't we read this out loud together? People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's an important concept to keep in our minds. Just as it requires some rigorous training to stay in good physical shape, it takes some rigorous training and discipline to stay in good shape spiritually. And Paul, in fact, uses that as a metaphor when he writes to Timothy. He says, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. I used to recite that verse to myself as I was jogging. Just reminding myself, I'm working real hard here jogging, but what's really more important is that I train myself to be godly too. Train ourselves to be godly. Develop practices and habits that help us become more godly. So what are some of those things? Maybe it means you're going to commit yourself to a daily quiet time. Or at least three times a week, say. Because life gets busy, things come up, scheduling doesn't always work so easily. But you're going to regularly take time to be just with God. And you're going to take a piece of Scripture, you're going to read and reflect on it, you're going to apply it to your life, and really think about what does this mean for me? How is this going to change how I think and how I act? You're going to have a a prayer list. You're going to spend time talking to God about what's going on in your life and other concerns you have. Maybe you start to keep a prayer list and you pray through those things. You join a Bible study so that you're not just by yourself, but you learn with the Word and other people. All of these are wonderful ideas, little pieces of how we could be more disciplined with our lives. All of these are not goals in and of themselves. They're means to an end. And the goal is what? To be a lifelong disciple of Jesus. If I want to be a lifelong disciple of Jesus, well then these are certain things that I'm going to want to do. Titus 1, Paul talks about the qualities that an elder or a church leader should have. And among them, he says, an elder must be One who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Notice how Paul links self-control and discipline in this text. It's hard to have one without the other. So if we want to grow in self-control, we have to learn to be more disciplined often. And sometimes discipline starts with something small, something manageable. So you want to be a lifelong disciple of Jesus, do you? Well, what's the first step on that journey? What's a a small, achievable goal that will get you in that direction? Maybe you say a daily quiet time. Man, I'm going to fall off the wagon on that thing within a week. Well, five minutes. Maybe you say five minutes. I'm going to commit to five minutes a day that I'm going to just spend with God. That's a very small, very manageable start. So something like that, that just gets you succeeding on a small scale before you conquer these major goals 
that you might not be able to to do. Lots of little things like that. If we look back at our text from Galatians 5, look at what verse 25 says. This is according to the message. I'll put it on the screen. This is a paraphrase. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. The NIV says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that's another way to control unhealthy desires is to keep in step with the Spirit, to use Paul's phrase. It's so easy to be overly concerned with what everybody else is doing. What are they wearing? What are they driving? What kind of phone do they have? What kind of vacations are they taking? And soon we find ourselves trying to keep up with the Joneses. That shouldn't be our focus. We need to pay attention to God. What is God calling us to do regardless of whether or not anybody else is doing them? Jesus reminds us you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So don't worry what everybody else is doing. Most of them aren't on the right path, the path that you want anyway. So who cares what they're doing? Worry about what God has called you to do. Keep in step with what He wants you to do. Spend time with Him and you'll find yourself growing in the ability to control your desires. Notice how Paul talks about self-control in this text. He refers to it as a fruit of the Spirit. Have any of you ever grown a fruit tree? Anyone? Bruce has. Few people have growing of fruit trees. It takes a little while. You plant that tree, you get it little because we're Dutch and you want it cheap, and you can't plant a ginormous tree. You need a little one. Well, that takes time. It takes time to grow. It takes several years sometimes for that tree to be big enough, mature enough to begin to bear fruit. And some fruit trees are fussy. You got to spray stuff on it. You got to prune it just right. A healthy tree will produce healthy fruit. So you don't really focus on the fruit. You focus on keeping the tree healthy and the fruit results. Almost like magic. Apples appear on the apple tree. Well, they require a little more help than that maybe. In some instances, those apple farmers are busy. But it takes time and it's a God thing. It's not something that we can make it happen. So we have to be patient and not quit and not expect immediate results and don't get discouraged when there's setbacks and failures. How many people do you know who went on a diet and never left the diet? Do you know anyone like that? How do you do you know of anyone who said, I'm not going to lust ever again? And then they never did ever again. It just doesn't work like that. 
So you have to give grace to yourself. It's a process. It's a process of trying to be a little bit better. It takes discipline, it takes time, and it takes the grace of God. The healthier we are, the healthier our thoughts and desires are going to be. So if Paul says it like this, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So we need to work on living godly lives, practicing disciplines that help us grow in godliness, but ultimately we have to let God do the work. This is not a self-help project, and it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So it's just daily working at some of those basic disciplines that help us stay close to God, help us have a healthy relationship, and then healthy things result. And if we keep at that, day after day, month after month, year after year, it will bear fruit. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for giving us a bit of a road map. Sin is something that is always at our door knocking. And there are temptations and desires that we may find difficult to control at times. But Lord, thank You for giving us discipline. Thank You that Your Spirit is alive in us, always giving us the desire to live a better life, to say no to those things, and to say yes to You. And so we invite Your Spirit to help us, grow us, mature us, make us healthy people so that healthy fruit results. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.